0: Welcome to the MIND podcast. MIND stands for Michigan New Educators. This podcast is a place where new educators and sometimes their guests offer encouragement and insight into a profession understood by few, but talked about by many. So whether you are an educator, love an educator, want to be an educator, or just need to learn more about us, we're glad you're here. Our hosts are four early career teachers brought together by the Michigan Education Association. The MEA is here to help educators in all stages of their careers. And that's the school bell, signaling it's time to start.
1: Hi everyone, thank you guys for tuning into mine. This is Michigan's New Educators, and today we are gonna be talking about parent and teacher communication and how important that is in realizing that we are working towards the same goals, and that is obviously to make sure that our students are succeeding in our classroom and how to best do that in our own classrooms. Um, I'm Danielle, I'm a fourth grade teacher in Bay City, and I've been teaching for four, th- four years. My name is Brittany, and
2: I am a two-three split teacher. I teach in Monroe, and this is my
3: fourth year teaching. My name is Skye. Um, I'm a fourth and fifth grade teacher in Lansing.
0: Um, and my name is Amanda. I am a secondary German teacher in Rochester.
1: We're talking about you know parent and teacher communication and how important it is. Um, In my classroom, I actually,
2: in the beginning of the year, I send out at Open House a parent volunteer sheet or just a family volunteer to bring in aunts, uncles, grandparents, moms, dads, whoever wants to volunteer in my classroom. And I kind of set that out. And then I kind of get that up and running in October. Of course, everyone has to have a background check and, and all of the I's dotted and T's crossed. But this kind of helps parents feel like they are a part of the community in my classroom and i um, let them help out with multiplication fact cards or reading groups and they typically stay for about an hour but they really enjoy it so
3: i think what that um, what helps with that as well is any esl kids you have in your classroom Um, having their parents in the classroom could really help with translations or Mm -hmm. even with parent letters, making sure you get those parents' letters translated um, beforehand for open house just so that you have those relationships with those parents as well because you might not always have parents that speak English. So great ideas, Brittany.
1: I think that's also something important that we talk about is because we're making sure we cover our bases for our students that are ESL. But in the beginning of the year, I primarily use a technology to contact my parents, which is Blooms. Mm-hmm. And I also have to keep in mind that a lot of my parents don't always have access to Wi-Fi, or their, you know, their internet could be getting shut off for the month or multiple months, or so on and so forth. So I always have to have a backup plan and making sure I can communicate with my parents. And that's something huge that we need to make sure that we are doing, you mm-hmm. know, that we're accommodating all of those parents in our classrooms
0: yeah I think it's really important at the beginning of the year I always send out sort of a student info sheet that I have the parents fill out with Mm -hmm. them and I I obviously have on record the parent emails and the parent phone numbers, but I always have them tell me, you know, what's the best way mm-hmm. to reach you. And oftentimes yeah. I find that the email that's on record is not the email that they tell me to reach them with. Oftentimes, you know, they have a family email that they never check, but they check their work email all the time. Mm-hmm. So right. little things like that where maybe if I hadn't done that, the email would have gone unread, undelivered. And this way it allows me to sort of make sure that the parents are reading what I need them to read. Right, absolutely.
3: And I don't know if every school does this, but in our school, we do an open house. And even if your school doesn't do an open house, maybe looking... Um, To your principal, your administrator to say, hey, like maybe we should do this. And maybe for communities that aren't as well off, offering food to help try and bring in um, parents, uh, more incentive to bring them in, having fun activities for the kids in the classrooms, just so that you can develop those relationships with parents and kids before the school year even starts.
1: I think that is so important. I think that's what the heart of this whole conversation is going to be today is about creating those positive relationships with parents
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, because they are so huge in making sure their child is successful and realizing that at the end of the day, all of us are on the same team and that's their child's team. You know, when we call and have those conversations, that's something I think we need to touch on today Is is how we handle those conversations. Are they positive conversations? Are they negative? Are we making sure that we're providing solutions or asking for solutions when we have those conversations with parents, Mm -hmm. you know?
0: Yeah, I think sometimes we can fall into the position of seeing us as working against the parents whenever there's any sort of conflict or problem. It can sometimes be easy for us to frame that into an us versus them situation. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important for us to remember that, you know, we all have the same goal, which is for our students to be successful. And seeing family members and parents as, you know, partners, as a team, rather than someone that we have to, something we have to quote unquote deal with, then that can really help us be more successful.
3: And I'm sure a lot of you out there are like, well, how can I do that? Like I have this kid in my classroom that I have no idea. How do I frame that? Maybe even just like with the phone calls home that you do with the parents. Hey, like your child did this today in class. Now I did this, this, and this. What are your thoughts? What can we do together? And really making sure that you're framing it that way. Mm -hmm. Like Amanda said, we're on the same team. What can we do together to best support your child, to get your child where he or she needs to be? That is so important and also in addition making sure especially with those kids that I'm sure parents only get negative phone calls making sure even if it's something small like hey he shared his crayons today or hey he did really well on a paper today H- having that phone call home with that parent just hey your kid did this today and it was amazing I can't tell you how many times I've done that with my kids and immediately the parents will go what did they do now And you'll be like, no, actually this happened today. And like, I'll get parents crying on the phone. Like you have no idea how much this means to me. Mm -hmm. I have never gotten a positive phone call home Mm -hmm. before for my child.
2: Right. And I just want to speak to um, how important it is to even have the conversations period because I know some people are scared and they might want to pawn it off on you know the counselor or the principal or somebody else but we're on the front lines and we're with the students every day we're the ones that I mean of course there might be situations that happen on the playground and whatnot but the conversations should be coming from us with the parent if we really have that partnership.
1: Yeah, I could not agree more. I honestly think that was one of the most intimidating things um, for me in my first few years of teaching. I think this is actually Mm -hmm. my first year, you know, my fourth year where I finally um, see myself as a true professional and that what's coming out of my mouth truly matters. And I finally feel um, Mm -hmm. feel so I feel Mm -hmm. confident in what I'm saying when I say it to the parents. Um, because I know when I made those first few phone calls, I just felt very scared mm-hmm, um, yeah. for the feedback I was going to be getting or, it's a very intimidating thing. Parents oh, yeah. are, you know, they can be scary, you know, but the goal is at the end of the day is for it not to be a scary thing. And mm-hmm. like Sky was saying, when you're having those positive conversations, they don't know what kind of phone call they're gonna get. So when you're giving them both, it's, it's extremely powerful conversation that you're having.
0: Um, I find, too, that when I do have to send a more, you know, negative email or something where the student is having more issues or problems, I find that when the student then improves sending a follow up that says, hey, FYI, like. I know we talked about, you know, Billy doing X, Y, and Z. I've seen this huge improvement. I want to say what he's doing is going (laughs) great. It's a huge, you know, boost. Sometimes that's like that little bit, which I think can sometimes be forgotten, you know, in our mind, the problem is solved. We move on, but giving that little extra boost, I think is really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then, along with that
3: if you are sending out those positive phone calls you might get parents more likely to actually pick up the phone for those negative ones as well like i know in our district we might not always get parents that pick up the phone because they'll say oh it's the school calling just let it go to voicemail and then you'll never be able to resolve those problems but if you start off with those positive phone calls they're probably gonna be more likely to pick up or if they realize that you're on the same team as them, they'll probably be more likely to pick up because who wants to be lectured about their kid? A lot of parents probably feel like it's a reflection of their parenting. Right. Mm-hmm. When you have those negative mm-hmm. phone calls, they probably think, wow, I am such a bad parent. They, this teacher thinks I am a terrible parent. And you know that may or may not be the case, but we should never let them think that mm-hmm. with those phone calls. Right.
2: I know in my first year when I was terrified to make those phone calls, I had to tell myself, like, even though I felt inexperienced and I felt like I oh, I don't have kids of my own, how am I going to tell this parent what, what their child was doing and what they should do to, you know, help me and work as a team to fix that problem behavior? I just would always tell myself, like, I'm the professional. I went to school for this. I actually know what I'm talking about mm-hmm. and try to boost myself up when I was facing those difficult calls.
1: Right, I think this is actually a great segue into talking about those really tricky questions that parents do ask us. You know, I've had that situation myself, same Mm -hmm. as Brittany, well you don't have kids, Mm -hmm. how would you know? You know, and you start to second guess yourself and it's like Mm -hmm. how do you handle those situations when you raise, you get those rising questions, you know. Um, Well, then what are you doing in class to help my child? What are you doing? So how do we respond to those questions? What are some questions you guys have got And how did you respond to them?
3: Well I think it's pretty intimidating especially when you don't have children to get that question because you start second guessing yourself well Mm -hmm. you're right I don't have kids but remember you went to college you went to classes to study how these children develop how these children learn you are an expert in this you have a Mm -hmm. degree in this and Mm -hmm. I think Reminding yourself of that is important. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know when you get asked those those questions and just relying on the knowledge that you do have and just you know answering those parents with, well, you know I went to school for this and I have had these experiences in the past and I have learned from mentor teachers or I have had um, more experienced teachers or I've had teachers with that our parents tell me this situation and you know, this is the advice they gave me. Right. And I think that that can help with those questions. Mm-hmm. I always
2: found it helpful to talk about the supports that I provided that student in class mm-hmm. to back up, you know, this is what we've tried and we've tried to do this, this, and this. Evidence. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, this this behavior keeps happening and now, you know, we need to look further into what can we do at home and, and stuff like that. And I feel like that helped parents kind of understand, well, at least they are doing this in the classroom and now let's make a plan for what we can do at home. And I just felt like I got a better response from families when they knew I was actively trying to help their child in the classroom with that behavior or issue.
0: I find too that sort of it's a situation where, you know, your best defense is a good offense, where Mm -hmm. if you start the email by saying these are all of the things that are the email or the call these are all the things I've done these are what I'm still noticing then it sort of prevents the parent from saying well why didn't you do this because you've already done it you know why didn't you do this and you kind of I'm not saying that you you're like blindsiding them but you're giving them a lot of information and then they're you know they're kind of left to have to deal with that and there's less that they can sort of push you on. Mm-hmm. And with that, you can say, well, these are the things
3: that I've tried. Do you have any suggestions mm-hmm. moving forward? And that helps right. it feel like they're on the same team as you a lot of times, and they'll be less likely to be defensive with it. Um, right. When you give that evidence first, right. hey, this is what I've tried. He's He or she is still doing this. Do you have any suggestions mm-hmm. for the classroom maybe or any any insight into what's going on? Right.
1: I think that's also – so important and why we have to document everything. You know, and this comes from a professional standpoint as well as from a a union standpoint. Um, in regards that, you know, you're always covering your bases. Um, you're always saying, this is what I've tried. This is how successful I was with it. Um, so on and so forth, your dates. But then you're also documenting that communication. You know, I actually had an instance my very first year of teaching and luckily my mentor teacher, she had said to me, make sure you document absolutely mm-hmm. everything. I would never had even thought to do that. Oh, yeah. Um, And the one thing was, is I was we were going to go ahead and have a met for this student um, to refer them for a special education services um, I had reached out to the, the dad multiple times And I had put the notes on the report card. I had tried calling multiple times and then finally um, I had seen him in person and I said, you know, I've been trying to reach out to you um, I would really like to see so-and-so referred for services. I'd like to see further testing um, And he was so infuriated that this was the first that he had heard from me and I was so happy that I had my basis covered, saying, mm-hmm. No, oh, wait, wait, wait. I actually tried to contact you on this date, this date, and this date. I was like, And there was a report card sent home with this exact same information on it. Well, oh, I never got a report card. And I said, Well, unfortunately, we don't mail them home anymore because mm-hmm. um, our population is so transient. So we do send them home with the students. Mm-hmm. Um, and we found them on the bottom of her backpack. So, but I mean, like, it's so important to have those, yes. you know?
2: And another thing I would say I've heard from parents a lot is they want to know immediately when something happens. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, that's up to your discretion of how big the problem is. But I know most parents say if they are not, you know, they hear that this behavior has been going on and on and on and on. And then they hear about it months later. You know, they're not necessarily very happy about that. So I guess figuring out what that balance is in your classroom and how you want to go about that would be important.
3: And something to help with that, too. Um, you could also say, you know, you were part of school is also learning about social behavior mm-hmm. and you were giving the student an opportunity to turn their behavior around before getting the parents involved mm-hmm. and um, and how you were educating the student and how to deal with the problem first before getting the parent involved. And I think that also helps with it a little bit and you know so when you are calling that parent well why haven't you called me you know before Mm -hmm. this you can just say well we've been really working on this and you know um, and I think we're just at that point now where parent involvement is necessary and I think that Mm -hmm. helps with that question.
1: One thing I did want to bring up is sometimes we've had parents that have given you guys or everybody unreasonable Mm -hmm. requests, you know, and Brittany was talking about the timely manner of having something responded to a a parent or, I mean, I've had it before where the parent is down in the office and they want to talk to me now. Okay, well, I have 25 kids in my room right now. There's no way that's feasible at the moment, you know. Mm -hmm. How do you guys handle those unreasonable requests and like having those positive and turning it into a positive conversation?
2: I actually just had something like that this year teaching a split. One of my second graders, um, this this parent, they just come right in the building in the morning and we're starting our morning meeting and I have 26 other kids and this mom just comes right in and she just wants to have a conversation with me and I'm sitting there with the kids. We're doing morning meeting. And luckily I have an assistant this year that I could step out for a minute, but you know. I made sure she knew it was a very huge inconvenience because you should not just be allowed to do that under any circumstance, unless, you know, especially what this conversation involved. And, you know, it was the silliest thing that could have just waited for another time. And I made sure that I let her know, you know, where I stood with it. And I didn't, I stood my ground. And Mm -hmm. I feel like now finally in year four, I can say with confidence, you know, like, this isn't the situation, you know, I would have absolutely came to you if that was the case. And it was just something like that. But now going forward, I let her know, you know, you cannot just come in here. Right. When we are starting class, I cannot leave all these students in the middle of learning right now. So,
0: yeah, I find too that sort of going off of what you're saying, like finding what the reason for the request is, Mm -hmm. because oftentimes, especially, you know, with my high schoolers, it comes down to, you know, Billy went home, told mom one thing, Mm -hmm. mom is livid, comes back, and it has a huge request for something that is not really an issue. So I find, you know, rather than just going into like, nope, I can't do that. That's, we can't do that because of this. I say, well, you know, why do you feel that this is a necessity mm-hmm. you know why why is this such a major issue and then oftentimes i've found it just comes down to a a miscommunication where the kid mm-hmm. goes home and says one thing and mom hears it and views it just only from that point of view and that's where most things come to like have emerged from so i think finding the origin is really helpful oh yeah
3: I think in addition, um, relying on your administrators for help is also um, mm-hmm. important when it nice. comes to either documenting phone calls, documenting what has happened, mm-hmm. um, making sure parents don't come into the classroom, um, or fielding questions from parents. Um, your administrator should be there to help you for that. Yeah. They're supposed to be. Um, you, you know, I have had a parent that came into the classroom 10 minutes before the bell ring every single day and I'm trying to get all the kids together and it just uh, there was no way I could talk to this parent when I'm trying to get all my kid and mm-hmm. kids to the bus. And so I had to talk to my administrator and tell her, "Hey, like I have this parent um you know, help me out here." And so she made sure to send out a letter to all the parents, "Hey, you cannot go into the classroom, you know, be uh during school um could you please just make sure you send all inquiries an email or schedule a time with teachers? And that truly helped with that. And also um, with documentation, it helps to have another person, you know, there. So it's not just you and your mm-hmm. evidence. It's oh, you know, my administrator yeah. also has this evidence of all this. It's someone to back you up mm-hmm. and someone to support you with that.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I
2: know in agree. my situation, I did inform the office too, and the secretaries, of course, my administrator, but because every person's supposed to check in at the office as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. even just letting them know people are sneaking by and not, yeah, and not checking in where they're supposed to,
1: right? And one thing that's super important that we need to keep in mind as educators is um, the confidentiality of these conversations that we are Mm -hmm. having with parents. You know, sometimes there are things that happen in our rooms and they might involve multiple students and we need to keep in mind that we can't be dropping other students' names um, and what was a um, response to, like, you know, what was their consequence for another student's action because, again, you know, it might be Billy's third time that he's done this and it might be Steven's first time you know and obviously code of conduct says something different is to happen for each of them and it's none of the parents business their child mm-hmm. is their business and we need to make sure that we keep that um and the and, like keep that important and remember that
3: mm-hmm. fair doesn't always mean equal yeah. and each student needs something different and that's yeah. something that parents don't always understand mm-hmm. and so it's so important that when you get asked those questions from parents well what did the other students get as punishment. Mm-hmm. You know, one, making sure you never say the other students' names, saying, well, another child um did this and this with Billy or Steven or whoever. Um but then also saying, well, the the other student um got the necessary um disciplinary action that is protocol and that's it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they don't need to they are not required to know anything else they are not supposed to know anything else and even saying that we cannot um tell you what another child got as punishment right it's against our protocol it's against our laws like that child has the right to confidentiality Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely yeah
2: and if you are struggling with that and there's just an irate parent always reaching out to your administrator hopefully they do have that support for you and we'll have those conversations with you Mm -hmm. if you need them Um, as well as looking at your contract Mm -hmm. because there are different um administration communication protocols as well with the parents as well as teachers communicating with the parents so Mm -hmm. looking in that to see what specifically your local has in your contract would be very important just to get yourself knowledgeable
0: and definitely don't be afraid to reach out to other teachers. So I know mm-hmm. our um, the system that we use, we can see the student's schedule. So if I had a student who I was having issues with, and the parent right. was really you know kind of irate, I reached out to other, the other teachers that this student had, and come to find out. I'm not the only teacher that she has had a problem with, that she's kind of Mm -hmm. infamous in our school for always having problems with teachers. And then I, you know, reaching out to admin and my admin told me pretty much the same thing. You can't win with this woman. Don't take it personal. So definitely sometimes I feel teachers are afraid that they're reaching out. It looks weak or anything, but reach out because you might find that you are not the only teacher who their child has had an issue with. Mm -hmm. And even elementary teachers as
3: well, you can do that too. I mean, reaching out to past teachers mm-hmm. that yeah, this special stu- area teachers yeah, yeah. that this that this student has. Um, I know for one of my students I reached out to his previous teachers when i was having an issue with him in the classroom and turns out you know he had these problems in the past and the parent was actually lying about this being the first time this you know Mm -hmm. yeah that this saying that this has happened you'd be like well i've talked to previous teachers about this and it seems like it's been a pattern you know and how can we maybe turn this around and you know again getting them on the same team I think
1: that, you know, it does sound like there, you know, there's a lot of negativity and that's
3: not what we're, that's a disclaimer, what this
1: is supposed to be about. But that is something that we truly do face as educators in our classroom. You know, we do have to have these these conversations, but they're meant to be constructive. And I think that a lot of us agree that most times we can hope they end up pretty positive. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and yeah. I think that's important for us to note today is the positive conversations we've had and what we've seen, you know, as individual wins in our classroom because of that. Um, so what's something you guys have might've, have, might've have seen that made this, you know, completely worth it, you know, I would say that for me, um, a lot of, like
2: we've talked about in the last podcast, marigolds, a lot of my marigolds are even some parents, you know, I've met some amazing families that yeah, yeah. have been partners with me and just, they really have become my own family. And, um, with their child, and after their child has left my room, you know, right. still have been just great partners. And what I'm doing, they want to know about my life, and they've just basically became family. So,
1: yeah, I think one thing you know you were talking about earlier is that some of them have written you letter of recommendation, just yeah. as references. You know, yeah. Because oh yeah, you're, I mean that's a huge. I mean, for anybody that mm-hmm. would be interviewing you, that's going to be a huge deal. You know, when yeah. a parent saying this teacher cares an awful lot and. Hey, she's pretty good
0: at teaching too. (laughs) Yeah, for me, so because I'm a secondary teacher, making relationships with all of my students' parents can be really difficult. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have 150 sets of parents to contact. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I've found is if I have a student and I have them the next year, that relationship with the parent that's already sort of there just from conferences and open house, yeah. it's really kind of nice where I'll sit down at conferences and a parent who I've already had will, you know, we don't even really have to talk about the kid most of the time. We're just talking about how life is going, you know, a couple comments. Yeah, he's doing doing well x y and z how are you how are you how's the new baby x all this stuff so it is really nice to have that as well and just have those relationships with parents um even if you have a lot of a lot of students you have to deal with
3: and i know we get so consumed in everything that we have to keep track of and everything that we have to do but i really can't stress enough how important it is to have those important phone calls and some of you are probably out there like well like Amanda, I have 150 students, or even if you're in elementary, I have 35 students. How am I supposed to make all these phone calls? Mm -hmm. Create a schedule for yourself. One parent a week, something Mm -hmm. positive. You'll reach all the parents at least twice throughout the year. And even those two phone calls will make a world of a difference for you.
2: And even if you only get to it once, that's probably a lot more than most people even get a chance to do. So I definitely suggest reaching out with a positive phone call. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, that for one sure. positive phone mm-hmm.
3: call. They will remember that one positive phone call versus all the negative ones Absolutely. every single time. All right.
1: so, should we it? Mm-hmm. so, again, as always, you know, we want to thank you guys for tuning in today. And we want to end on a high note here, um, something going well in probably each of our lives or our classrooms, whichever you guys prefer, um, for myself. I was super excited. I had our like mid-year district testing and 16 out of 21 of my kids hit their spring goal. Woohoo! So I was pretty pumped up. I'm like, man, I'm finally doing this whole teaching thing. (laughs) I "I think I finally got it. So I I was pretty pumped up about that. It was a huge victory for me. So I was excited.
3: Well, in my personal life, um over the holiday break, I ended up getting engaged. So that was exciting. Yes. Um, but in uh, my school life I would say a little positive um, that I had before break I noticed um, my kids were all like well we don't want to go on break we want to stay at school we want to learn and just that atmosphere after break there's um, because they had that time off they're so excited to get to work mm-hmm. and to be learning and a lot of my kids have started their own research projects because they're just they're just so excited to be at school and learning. And that's just, it's so heartwarming as a teacher. Like yeah. you can't help, but just like feel the love from the kids. <laughs> right.
2: Warms you from the inside. Oh, out. it does. <laughs> Mine is the same as Sky. I also got engaged over the break.
1: Woo-hoo! And
2: I was on a week long cruise because we had a great two week break, but I actually came back on Sunday and then we started on Monday. So I was like, really feeling it but oh, when yeah. I came to school all of my kids were just like beaming and they were so excited and they were they just like were ecstatic to get back there whispering that I had gotten married over the break which <laughs> it was so involved, right? I was like well so I had to teach them about you know getting engaged first and everything but they wanted to see it under the document <laughs> camera and they were like show it under the camera but it was
0: adorable kids so, get so fun. involved they I do. love it they do That's so funny. Um, And so for me, this is just kind of like a silly thing, but it really made me laugh. I had students working on a project um, on two days, and then it was due on the Sunday after. And I got an email from one of my students, and he had submitted his project, and then the title of the email was just puppies
2: and the only
0: thing in the email was a picture of him holding a german shepherd puppy with the caption maybe this will help my project which no it's not going to but i just i thought it was was just so funny and i thought to myself like this is i have built a relationship with this student that he knows that i would love a picture of a puppy and so he
1: emailed it to me that's great uh, we also want to go ahead and give you guys all a huge thank you to everyone who came out to our socials. You know, they were a huge success. We were so excited to see, to meet and see so many um, new faces. You know, whether you were a veteran teacher or a new mm-hmm. educator, it, it was super powerful. And uh, it was very exciting. So thank you. We mm-hmm. really appreciate that. We do. Thank you. Um, we are
2: actually, this is not our only social. Of course, there's many more to come. Um, I'm actually trying to work with my coordinating council in Monroe, the Monroe area that reaches out to a lot of the other counties and just to get more information and more connections with the other counties and new
1: educators. Um, So that will be in the works actually starting tomorrow. I definitely think um, we have Bay City, Lansing, Rochester, and Monroe area schools present here right now. And if you're one of those people that would be, um, you know, beneficial in getting the word out and you'd love for us to send you guys a flyer because, you know, we only have so much reach within our own districts, mm-hmm. you know, we're really know working on creating that network. We would love um, to be able to shoot you a flyer, you know, to get the word out, you know, it would be fantastic and really creating this community
3: for our new educators. Um, Also, if you are interested in having social events through mine in your area, please let us know. We'd be more than happy to either help you set one up or if it's close enough, one of us Mm -hmm. coming out um, to help
0: set that up as well. Um, We also want to mention one save the date coming up. So we are going to be at the Early Career Educators Conference in Lansing on Saturday, March 21st. It's from 830 to 5. Registration is currently live. So please, you know, register to come to the conference. You can come see us, meet us, put a face to the voice. (laughs) Uh, That would be really great. We hope to see you there. We're also going to be doing a live podcast there at the conference, and we'll be talking about our evaluations and hopefully getting some questions from you guys that we can answer live.
1: And as always, you know, we thank you guys for tuning in today, and we'd love to see you guys following us on all of our social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, and you can even shoot us an email. Our handle is M-I-N-E-W-E-D-U-C-A-T-O-R-S. Michigan New Educators. Thank you, guys.